Scaring is sharing. Uh, hey, you little maniacs. Yeah. That's what we're doing now. I uh, like it. We're, we're back to share some scares with you. This is sharing. Scaring is sharing. <laughs> it is easy to get them mixed up. I don't even know the name of it. It's uh, where we share our scares. Yeah, that's right. I'm Jeremy Rusk. And I'm Brandy Joe Planbeck. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's good to see you, Jeremy, as always. It's good to see you, Brandy It's a Joe. dream. It's a dream, it's a, truly. We're living the dream. One day we, we might be able to see each other in the <laughs> flesh in the same room as we do this. In the flesh. In the flesh. I love that. Um, how was your week? Uh, crazy. You know, just uh, as we're recording this, it's post-election time in America, and it's just been crazy fucking times. It has. I have never watched CNN as much as I did this last week. I, It's not a channel I normally tune into, and I mean, I had it up on my computer while I worked. Like, work was very difficult this week. <laughs> it was a hard time to focus. Yeah, I feel like the whole world kind of shut down because my yeah. work, like, I had no phone calls coming in. Uh, like no emails uh, were coming in. It's like, okay, I think the whole world is just uh, slowed down. Yeah, no matter uh, who you attention. are, no matter what side you're on, people were on pins and needles. Yes, it, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I, yeah, again, I never watched so much uh, uh, CNN, MSNBC. I jumped on the Steve Kornacki train uh, as the internet is talking about him. Their analyst on MSNBC. He's my new. He's my new hero. Your wife Sarah posted somewhere that he's your new boyfriend. So I was like a little jealous, but whatever. I'm sorry. There, I, <laughs> I have love enough for all of you. He's your celebrity husband, boyfriend, mm -hmm. whatever. He's my celebrity boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Maybe not pins and needles. But last night I slept in a feather bed, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. It was just it. It, it was such a relief that the things went to wake the way up, they did. To wake up to this, and you know what? When the news came through, I was actually uh, uh, rewatching the thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. When I got uh, uh, told, like, turn on the news right now, and I was like, oh, good. I'm watching a great movie. Uh, now I'm getting some good news. So. That's amazing. How many times do you think you've watched The Thing? Ah, uh, probably like a hundred times. I don't really? Know. Like, like a it's, ton? It, it's probably way up in the double digits for sure. I've uh, seen it once. Really? Yeah. Okay. And not too long ago, like probably within the last five years. I'd seen clips of it numerous times, like in Terror in the Isles, some other compilation um, movies, because it always comes up because it is a, a contemporary classic. Um, I haven't mm -hmm. seen the original, which is The Thing from Outer Space, or it has a longer title, right? The Thing from Another World. From Another the full World. Title. For some reason, it always just got shortened to The Thing, though. Like, when it would play on television historically, they'd always just call the original The Thing, even though the full title is The Thing from Another World. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I've, I've been watching it since, like, childhood, I guess. It was probably, I think it was one of the movies my dad turned me on to that I was probably too young to <laughs> be exposed to it but he's like this is a great movie and then you know i'm watching it at age you know eight to he wasn't or whatever he wasn't wrong he wasn't wrong no you know he got me hooked on like the thing alien predator like all of the sci-fi action oh, monster it. on a rampage you know alien monster on a rampage movies so the thing often comes up the the john carpenter film as one of those remakes that's better than the original 
Do you yeah, agree with I, that? I think so. Uh, it's just a more, I, I, I had intended to watch John Carpenter's The Thing as part of my Halloween day, like marathoning, and it just didn't fit in there. So that's why it's been sitting like, I got to watch it again. Um, and yeah, having so recently watched the original and now the, uh, the new one again, uh, the, f- the original, the first movie feels like, uh, it, you know, it's like an hour and 20 minutes or whatever, because it's an older movie, so it's right. pretty quick. Uh, yeah, it feels like a truncated version of the story. Uh, and then you watch John Carpenter's and it's like a full two hour, you know, movie with a whole lot more going on in the plot. So, And um, while I haven't seen the original, I feel like that's really in my mind, the key to a good remake is to take a movie and do something totally new with it when you remake it, as opposed to like the the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street is just like, in my mind, one of the all time worst because mm-hmm. it's just horrible. I hate M- it. Much like the remake. Uh, yeah, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake bordered on the Psycho remake for me, which was, uh, yeah. wh- why would you re- just redo the same thing exactly the same beat for beat like it doesn't make any sense it's yeah my husband i don't know why but he loves that psycho remake he loves it i get i don't get it i don't know I, if that may be a strong word he may not love it but i know he really enjoyed it i think it's entirely unnecessary the original psycho i mean here i am being a film snob but the original <laughs> psycho is like one of the greatest movies of all time um you know basket all of us film snobs think it's you know just the bee's knees and why if you're gonna do a remake why do a remake that's just shot for shot <laughs> it's beat for beat the same movie yeah i when that remake conversation comes up what remake is better than the original i often say the thing and i often say invasion of the body snatchers but in all honesty i've not seen the originals of either of those i've only seen the <laughs> remakes and i know how good the remakes are and people talk about them more so but i've never pretend to have seen the originals but i really mm-hmm. should so when i say that it's actually merited <laughs> what about the uh, and the fly I, yep. I would throw that into the conversation as well yep I do love The Fly, and I have seen the original of that. It, I mean, when I was a child, but... Yep. Help me, help mm-hmm. me. So creepy. <laughs> That's a great scene. Most of that, yeah, the original Fly, though, most of it is just like a very talky science fiction, you know, movie where it's like, oh, the monster appears at the end for a few minutes. And unlike, you know, Cronenberg took it and amped it up to 11 for everything. So you're like, that's, that's how you do a remake is take the concept of the original and crank it up and do something better and louder and whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but of all like the, to me, this sort of classic slashers, which are Halloween, Friday the 13th, Black Christmas, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Child's Play. Those are my own personal like sort of slasher classics. All of those have been remade and I don't like any of the remakes. I think people probably talk most highly of Friday the 13th or Halloween as the remakes, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I mean, I would watch the originals over those any, any, any day. Yeah. All of those. I don't think I would argue though, um, for me, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I left that off the list and people, that is probably the best of those remakes. I would argue that remake is a pretty solid movie. Like I think it went in a, good direction for a remake which is to try because they did a pretty good job of making a new story with the same concept but staying true to, enough to say Leatherface as a character and uh, just the 
you know, the core of the story and what it's about. So that, that one, I think it's pretty good. I think that remake, not as good as the original, nothing can ever capture the power of that original, but they did a good job of, uh, making something that's not terrible. <laughs> yeah, know? I feel the best and creepiest moment in that is when Leatherface lifts his head and he's wearing Eric Balfour's face. On oh, that's so cool. So gross and so awesome. So I was watching the remake, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, with a roommate in college. Uh, and that scene you're talking about, when it happened, uh, and he looks up and he's got Eric Balfour's face on, my roommate had never seen it before. He screamed and jumped like when that moment <laughs> happened. <laughs> it, was, it was just so funny. I remember like, yeah, that's the reaction they're looking for when that happens. For sure. So I listened to this horror podcast that I really, really love called It's Only a Podcast. Um, it's so fun. These guys, Christian and Ian, similar to us, one gay, one straight. Um, they almost always talk about like two movies. It's usually an older movie and a newer movie, but, um, and I, have loved them for some time. They've been around for a while. Um, so if you haven't listened to them, please check them out and follow them everywhere. Oh, I should. When they get fan mail, they call it, um, horror spondence. And I love that because <laughs> it's such a nice playoff correspondence. Uh-huh. So, we got our first bit and of horror respondents, not horror respondents. <laughs> You're right. I have a hard time saying it like correctly. Horror respondents. No, I do it too. I always say horror. <laughs> like it's always, you know, I always slur that into like horror. It, and people are like, yeah, it what sounds are you like about? I always say horror movie. <laughs> horror, horror movie. It's hard to say. Horror. So I've been thinking about like a cool play on when we get sort of, you know, fan mail or listener, little maniacs mail. So mm-hmm. what I've come up with, and I don't know if anyone else has done it, but is a terrorgram. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a telegram. I feel yeah, like I it's love a nice it. little play. A terrorgram. I like it. <laughs> so we got our first terrorgram this week, and I'm going to read it. It sounds like something, you know, the Crypt Keeper would say. No, For a sure. terrorgram. <laughs> and you know what? It may have been somewhere, but I swear I came up with it myself. But I don't know. I believe you. I believe you. has done it. Um, so it's from a dear friend of mine, Tess Hanna. I brought her up when we talked about, she still gets Netflix movies via the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a very dear friend. She's done shows with um, me at our theater and just loved her for a long time. She's a great comedian and just the most beautiful soul. So she sent this to us after episode four, which was um, May and Murder Party. And she said, love the new app. Had to share that Night of the Living Dead was one of my inspirations to go vegetarian at age 12. When I watched the zombies devouring whatever it was, I felt so sick and grossed out. I decided I couldn't eat meat anymore. A million years later, still haven't. Thanks for sharing your scares with us weekly. It's lovely to feel the fright among friends. Heart, Tess. (gasps) Thank you, Tess. Thanks, Tess. Because, yeah, we did talk about Night of the Living Dead. I was wondering what they were eating, and we talked a little bit about that. And we talked about um, I went the opposite direction, and I'm like, I want to eat meat more after <laughs> <laughs> seeing these things. So I thought that was super fun. And what an interesting story. There's, like, a whole bit there. You could do a whole mm-hmm. you know, comedy sketch on that for sure. I, and I, I've heard that story, too, of people saying things like Night of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for like sure. where they're just so uncomfortable with cannibalism and drawing that parallel to just consuming meat that it's like i can't do it anymore and i don't think it's been proven but there have been i've read some topics online of people who say texas chainsaw massacre is like a about 
the meat industry or how you should be vegetarian. There's some like theories out there, fan theories about I should have. It's just coming to me now. I'll have to look into it and come back with it. I, there's I, some yeah. sort of theory that that's what it's about. I know like, it. Yeah, I know what you're level. talking about too. And I've seen a lot of stuff too written about how uh, going in another direction since it was made in the '70s by like a hippie-ish, you know, Toby Hooper. It was like a counterculture guy. Uh, there's talk that it was a commentary on Vietnam. Oh, okay. Uh, it, whether it was you know intentional or not, it was just in the ether. So like that was coming out and what they were doing. So uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff written about that too. And Night of the Living Dead. I mean, we've talked about it so many episodes now, but it is one of the, the classics, one of the greats. It's a touchstone. Like I've read that he cast, and I'm horrible now, I don't remember the character or the actor's name, but the, the gentleman who lives throughout the film, the African-American guy. Yeah, Dwayne uh, something. Is his name Ben in the movie? I think so. But he cast him just because he was the best actor. Like, it, he didn't go into it with the script written that he was African-American. This is what I've, I've read. Does this ring a mm -hmm. bell with you? Yes, it does. I'd heard a, uh, 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 a commentary or somebody somewhere mentioned that. Dwayne Jones uh, is the name. As Ben, you got it right. Great. Uh, but yeah, they said he just was the best uh, audition they took. And they actually weren't thinking about, like, we're going to be subversive and have a black man in a lead role like this. You know, they, uh, uh, Romero just maintained that he was just the best actor that came through. And I wonder if the ending was originally written as it is that he gets killed in the end, or if that was something they altered once they cast him to sort of create another layer of. I believe, uh, I remember years ago, I read a book, uh, it's called shock value. Oh, I've heard uh, of this. Very good book from what I remember. If you know, people look it up. It's about 60s and 70s, like horror specifically. They they really zero in on the careers of George Romero, Toby Hooper, uh, John Carpenter, Wes Craven, that generation of guys who came in in the, you know, towards the end of the 60s into the 70s and then created like horror as we think about it now with slasher movies and just everything that they did. Um, but they go in depth about Night of the Living Dead. Uh, and from what I remember in the book, they said the ending was always the guy got killed. Uh, it was just some, it was almost like a happy accident, if you will, that it took on a whole nother meaning uh, with the actor they had in there because uh, that was not, they weren't thinking about it uh, like consciously. Uh, but from what I remember Romero saying in the interview blurbs they had in that book, uh, he's like, clearly it was on our minds though because we were involved in like civil rights movements and stuff like that. And he's like, clearly it was there. We just didn't mean to, you know, they weren't actively trying to do, push it in that direction, but they're like, it was on our minds and clearly we couldn't get away from it in what was coming out in our art. So uh, that's what he says happened, so. Well, it's awesome. It's so very good to mm -hmm. this day. And they say it's the same thing with Dawn of the Dead too, that Ken Foray, uh, ended up in the lead role again just because he was the best actor they saw that was able to do everything they wanted so um, there you go for colorblind casting yeah uh, as they say uh, yeah. you know more power to Romero rest in peace heck yeah so um, do you have any news from this week anything you've seen outside of you know the political news yeah it's been rough uh <laughs> catching up on anything uh that's not just uh about the fate of the country uh but uh i saw the uh, jordan peele announcement 
that uh, apparently he is moving forward with a remake of the people under the stairs. Yeah. Uh, for, was it for Bloomhouse? Uh, or am Browse? I, I might, Browse. I might, I might be mixing that up with somebody. And I just, else. since you corrected me earlier, I believe it's Blumhouse. Well, uh, sorry. Blum, <laughs> Blumhouse. Uh, I would like to say Bloomhouse, but I, I do too. Blumhouse. Blum, yeah, it is. It's, I, I know that for a fact, cause I've seen the guy, you know, introduce himself. Was it, uh, as Blum, uh, for his last name. So, and I don't think he's directing it. I think he's producing it. Is he producing it? I don't, okay. it's, you know what? I, that's what I think in my head, but I may just be getting it mixed up with Candyman. And that's, yeah, that's right. Cause he was the producer on Candyman. Uh, do you love that original movie, People Under the Stairs? I, I am a fan of it. I know it. I've, I've learned it's divisive. Uh, I always thought it was cool and weird. I've met a few people that are like, I friggin' hate that movie. Uh, really? Yeah, like it's stupid. So I'm like, okay, I guess it does have a kind of a divisive existence where it's just too silly for some people. And, uh, but others are like, it's a classic. It's just weird and cool. Um, I do believe in Wes Craven's like filmography. It it does stick out as one of his more bizarro like movies, uh, but it is very cool. I think it it is. I really like it. I mean, I definitely saw it when it came out as a kid, so it has that sort of like attachment to me from what I remember. Because I was yeah, I was like eleven or twelve when it came out, so I was like the age of that little boy, or probably just mm-hmm. a little bit older. But it like definitely like has stuck with me and I haven't watched it in quite a while. I love that AJ Langer who's Ray on Graf in my so-called life is like the daughter and I love mm-hmm. her so much. Um, and there's some real weird stuff in it, but I just, I, I really like it. And I think a remake, I mean, and I feel like if anyone, and I just looked it up, he is producing it. Oh, he's um, producing. Okay. So, but like, I think that it has the possibility of like doing something really cool bringing like, cause I imagine probably hopefully the director will be African-American and it does deal with some class race sort of issues, the original. So I think it will be cool coming from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just think of uh, Ving Rhames because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's just so uh, notable <laughs> in everything he does. I immediately like, oh yeah, Ving Rhames was, that's what jumps into my mind um, uh, as a, you know, supporting character in there. Even though it's a more serious take, Don't Breathe reminded me of People Under the Stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, sort of, did. you know, these like criminals kind of get themselves into this situation in a house that has all these like, you know, secrets below. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 it is uh, pretty similar. I was just thinking too, I, People Under the Stairs is one of those titles that's just lived in my brain since childhood. As like, first off, People Under the Stairs, the title, is so evocative of just like, it sounds creepy and weird and mysterious. Uh, and then it was always Wes Craven's, you know, and growing up just the name alone, Wes Craven evoked like fear, uh, like between him and John Carpenter. If you heard those names, you're like, oh, this is gonna be so scary when they're like, Wes, <laughs> Wes Craven's the people under the stairs. And you're like, oh no. Totally. Well, I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. The piece of news I read this week that I'm not excited about is that Castle Rock on Hulu got canceled. Oh, so I did read that as well. I'm real bummed. I loved both seasons, but the second season was particularly awesome. It just seems like these shows don't last that long on the streaming services. They don't. And it's weird because I feel like they don't have to deal with advertisers as much, but I, I don't know. I, I don't understand the streaming world, so I'm sure there's many other things involved. 
Yeah. Like one of my all-time favorite TV shows is called Everything Sucks. It's not horror at all, horror at all, but it's on Netflix. And um, and I loved it so much. I can watch it over and over and I cry and it's just nostalgic because it's the 90s and it's gone, gone too soon, one season. Yeah, no, I, I feel that way. Like every Netflix um, thing seems to not last that long. Um, I understand part of it was this rights transfer, but I was into, you know, specifically Daredevil uh, and okay. like, The Punisher, some of their Marvel shows. And those were just like, you could keep these going forever because there's just so much comic book material to draw from. And those shows left themselves open like each season for like, oh man, the story is going to blow up in this other direction. Like keep it going. But now it gets super popular and then they're like, we're shutting it down. <laughs> oh. It's over. And it's like, oh, come on. Did you watch anything this week? Uh, other than the thing, um, and the news and the news, that's uh, about it. I felt like the thing too, was a perfect, uh, perfect movie for the moment. Kind of like they live rewatching the thing, just all the paranoia in the movie. And, uh, there's that line where Kurt Russell is, uh, uh, talking into his little, uh, voice diary and he's just like, nobody trusts each other anymore and we're all very tired and you're like that's 2020 <laughs> amen that sums up 2020 i watched a couple movies one i'm not going to talk about because i'm probably going to assign it to you at someday because i actually enjoyed it which is a nice feel oh cool um, but then another one i watched that i wasn't so crazy about is called hosts mm. and it just came out recently like in the last couple of weeks and like, I don't know this for sure, because there's just like a moment where you see something on the news, but I feel like it's like an environmental horror film. Like, I think it has something to do with fracking. Like, it's just kind of touched upon. Oh. I don't even understand what fracking is, quite honestly. Is it something where they drill on the ground? Is it yeah, something like that? I barely understand it as well. I just know it. Um, yeah, it, it has to do with drilling. I think the problem, I it might be totally wrong. People write in and tell us we have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, I understand the problem is it has to do with contamination of like groundwater when you're doing it. Uh, so okay. it's an environmental concern. I think it's got to do with harvesting what? Like natural gas. Okay. Uh, possibly. Uh, I'm not up to date on it. I just know some people very adamantly are against it uh, and other other people say it can be done safely with like the correct regulations and it's good, a good way to harvest natural resources for fuel okay. and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> so briefly touched upon that. Like I, if I would have liked the film, I would have gone back and like looked it up and said like, Oh, is this what they actually said? But it's just weird. It's kind of a home invasion sort of film but mm. with a, a supernatural twist to mm. it and fracking this is sounds and, like a and fracking this sounds like a crazy movie and there were some decent elements there there's like one kill in it that is like eye-popping like you're like whoa but then there's just some really heavy-handed melodramatic dialogue and underscoring and it just is eye like you just roll your eyes oh, it wow is just like you're like ugh. And it just all kind of goes downhill. But I loved the poster, which is what made me watch. It has like this real wide-eyed girl and her hair's like, like you don't see much above her head, but it's like her hair is like standing up on end is what it kind of looks like. And she has like blood splattered on her face and she's like in a scream. And you're just like, cool, that looks awesome. <laughs> and like I said, it had some promising moments. It, overall, it was not the worst movie, but like out of five stars on my letterboxed, um, I gave it two. So Okay, so... 
On Letterboxd, you can rate out of five, and then you also have a little area where you can click, I liked it, or I didn't like it. So I did not click liked it. <laughs> ah, okay. There you go. The official letterbox verdict is in. Yep. And if you're on Letterboxd, let us know what your handle is. And you can follow me, particular Scream Queen with a Q-W-E-E-N. Scream Queen, all one word. Um, and let us know where you are on there because I love watching people. I keep my diary of movies on there. I started right when 2020 hit. So like I have every single movie I've watched by month and date and rating. And it's just a nice way to keep track of your films and to read your friends' reviews and what other people thought of stuff. And it's it's a really cool app. And there's a website too. But And I am on there too at Great Great Mutato. Um, and I am not nearly as dedicated to it as Brandy Joe is. So every so often I remember to jump on and throw some stuff in there. So, But I found like I wasn't remembering come the end of the year when I'm like, oh, what were my favorite movies this year? It was like a real pain in the butt to try to remember everything I watched. And sometimes I do like my best of or something. And then later it would come back to me that I'd also watch this or that. Yep. So that was kind of my my goal is to like keep track of that. And it's interesting to be like, oh my God, in August, I watched 26 movies. And in September, I watched five. Like yeah. it's so interesting to see sort of my patterns of when I watch things. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Um, What does your name come from? Because that's also your Instagram handle. It is a reference uh, to X-Files episode. Okay. There is an episode of the X-Files with a character called The Great Mutato. Uh, that was a spoof of uh frankenstein um but i just love the name it became because uh, you know that episode was on tv uh when i started uh, uh getting into the internet so it's <laughs> i've been using it for a long time it was oh, cool it, it was my uh, uh uh aol instant messenger handle uh so it's, i've been using it for a long time um i've been thinking about upgrading it uh, people, I might rebrand myself as something else because it's been so long that I'm like, yeah, that episode, uh, it, it, it's funny. It's one, too, that people look back on. Like, it's got some problematic episodes specifically in that episode. So I've been like, maybe okay. I should rebrand myself. But uh, any X-Files fans out there, you know, uh, do you have X-Files names? Let us know. <laughs> Remember that episode? Some of my old... Um like handles on like AOL and old emails and IRC, which you probably don't remember. Sounds I mean, familiar. It was, it was like kind of pre AOL. Mm -hmm. My, I think my first handle was stage boy with a B O I. Cause I'm a <laughs> theater kid. All one was stage boy. And then another one was Joe, the wonder boy. Those were like my two. I had um, early handles. One of my favorite ones, uh, of all time and it just goes back to me being a little edgelord <laughs> kid <laughs> uh, i was on some music forum a lot you know back when message boards were an actual thing oh yeah uh it was um what was that one tabo rama it was a guitar like you know i i played dabbled in bass guitar uh in my youth uh haven't played instr an instrument in so long though uh but um it was a uh, guitar tabulature, you know, to pull up how to play different songs. Uh, but they had a whole, a really active music message board where people just argued with each other. And specifically, there was a lot of metalheads on there. So I was into I metal. Bet. So I was arguing with all these guys all the time. But my name was in all caps, 
Baby Stomp 666 <laughs> with, then, uh, uh, with, with then six exclamation points after it. Wow. Uh, and I one time won the award for most annoying member <laughs> of the board because I just argued with everybody all the oh, time. Oh my God, you were that guy. I was so that weird. guy. I can't imagine you as that guy. I don't. Th- you as I know you. Times have just changed. I don't know. It, like <laughs> back then, just being into like music and uh, it, it was the whole, uh, you know, if you don't like what I like, fuck you. And I'm going to yell at you about it. Like, God, I would have hated you. I, I, a lot of people did. So <laughs> then I grew up and realized it's all pointless <laughs> to argue about that. Stuff. That's fascinating. You bring up message boards and I do have to just touch on that real fast. I miss the IMDB message boards so hardcore all the time. Oh, the me time. too. I used to do reviews on there uh, in like in high school and into when I was in college. Were you uh, as much of an asshole on there as you were on this other one? <laughs> there, not as much. Okay. Uh, my thing was I was like way into just watching the worst like B movies, like Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh style and then just writing like big reviews about them uh, i it remember was... like the movie frogs oh yeah that's a good one <laughs> there's one uh that i like had a whole review i wrote about it and people liked that but i gave it like five stars hilarious movie i don't know why they got rid of it there's like some sort of branch off like it looks kind of like it but it's not nearly as active but mm-hmm. like it was so fun to like watch a movie and be like that actor really looks like this actor and you'd go on that actor's message board and like you could put it in or like you'd go in and someone else had said it and it was so fun to just connect talk to and people yeah talk, like if there's a movie that you love that you think no one around or no one around you has watched you go on and there's other people who talk about it and you're you can have these conversations about movies no one's ever heard of but someone out there has it was such a cool way to connect i mean there were no like friendships made that i had i'm sure someone somewhere did but i just don't mm-hmm. understand why it went away like i am yeah. so big like why not just keep it going yeah i know i had so much fun writing like uh you know and, and it helped uh th- those boards helped me discover other stuff you know i get into like plan nine from outer space and like all these like weird cult oddities i discovered through uh that message board so yeah, you could go on and be like, I love this movie. Did Like, are there other movies like it? And people will be like, oh yeah, watch this and this and this. Yeah, watch all these. I can barely remember half of them. There's like so, so many that, you know, uh, I have a lot of movies locked in my brain that are like, uh, they're in there subconsciously or something. And then over the years, I find it again. Uh, and then I'm like, oh crap, like this is the movie I've been trying to remember that nobody could tell me what it was. So <laughs> I actually remember I had a... Uh, uh, I think it was on IMDb, like I had posted at one point, I was trying to figure out, there was this movie I remembered seeing as a TV movie as a kid, uh, where this little boy is in a park and his dad's a park ranger, uh, and he is friends with Bigfoot, who like he hangs out with, and the Bigfoot talks and dances to music and drinks Coca-Cola, and I'm like- It's not what? Harry and the Hendersons? No, no, this is like, <laughs> this is like low grade, uh, Actually, I think the movie predates Harry and the Hendersons, but okay. I couldn't figure out for the longest time. People just thought I was insane and had made up a movie. Uh, and then Mystery Science Theater 3000 did it when they came back on Netflix. Wow. And it's the movie Cry Wilderness. 
Oh, wow. is what it's called. And then as I watched that episode, I was like, this is the movie. Like <laughs> I've been telling people for years about this and everyone thought I made it up. So that's amazing. Cry wilderness really. And the Bigfoot, the crazy part about that movie is um, the kid being friends with Bigfoot is not like a big part of the plot. It's like a side story. You're like, you think that would be the main story, but for it's sure. not. It's a, it's a subplot <laughs> to like this other weird stuff. So I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, look it up. You could probably find some fun clips of it on the internet now. All right, Jeremy, I think it's time. It's time. Yep, I'm going to share a scare with you. Share it. Scare and you know, me. as always, I hope that you come back and love it. And you know what? With me rewatching it, I always hope I relove it too. It's not <laughs> always been the case. It's a bit a, been a little back and forth, hasn't it? But that's like part of the beauty of it. Like going back, like there's certain movies, like definitely like Hereditary and Housebound, I love just as much as I did the time before. Mm-hmm. But then other movies like Alice, Sweet Alice and May um, and Relic, I did not necessarily like as much. So here's hoping this time. Let's do it. So this week, I want you to watch we are still here. Okay. Do you know I, anything about it? I remember it got rave reviews when it came out. Uh, again, it's another one of those like recent indie releases that uh, I can recall the, um, uh, the horror blog, blogosphere saying like, this is a really good movie. I don't know anything about it in depth. It's possibly a ghost story. Uh, from what I put together, or quote unquote, a haunted house movie, whether it's got an actual haunting, you know, it's just one of, they're in a house and some weird shit's going on. Uh, And it maybe is based on literature. I don't know. I feel like it might be based on a book or something. Uh, If it's not, I'm just crazy and making that up. Uh, And I can recall a poster that's got this weird multicolored, like kind of psychedelic looking like with a house with some weird, like, smoky ghosty shit coming out of it um and that's what i know that's it okay so i love that you always remember posters because like i think i have that sort of mindset too like a poster just kind of pops in your head and like you remember that Mm -hmm. so what would you think it's about aside from just like the topics you said we are still here i think it's going to be and i'm partially going to go off of just what you've been assigning me and the kind of stuff you like (laughs) Uh, i think it is actually a human drama it's going to be about a family uh, that live in a house together. Uh, we are still here. I think there's ghosts in the house or spirits or some sort of imprint from something before because they are still there. Uh, and somehow there's going to be parallels between the lives of the people in the house and those that were there before them. Uh, and mayhem will ensue. <laughs> I love when mayhem ensues. Ensues. <laughs> and that's what I think it's about. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. I hope. You like it, and I hope I like it, too. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope we'll, I re-like it. We'll find out. We will. Okay. So for you, I remember uh, last week we were talking. I said for the month, and I didn't even realize that our whole schedule, like November's happening now. It's, <laughs> so whatever. For the next few weeks, I've locked into this idea that I'm going to give you some things that are thematically uh, similar uh, so today I'm going to be able to put that together, what that theme is, I think. Yes, today you'll be able to put it together. What I'm doing is movies from Japan. Oh, yep. wow, okay. And I, I want to cool. challenge you a little bit. I'm going out of, you may, like, you may hate all these, you may not like, you know, I'm you excited. may love them, I don't know. Uh, but the movies I have in mind, I'm just trying to challenge your 
you're viewing a little bit. Even for Love me, that. some of these are challenging. You've been but, challenging me this whole time. I think it's great. And it's getting, it's going to get a little weirder for a minute. But first off, of course, I have to go with the granddaddy of all Japan horror cinema. And that's the original Godzilla. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, it's probably a shame I've not seen it. That's what I'm going to lay on you. Uh, I, I was trying to decide too, because there's two... So I guess uh, I'll, gi I'll give you a viewer's choice here. There is Gojira, or Godzilla, the original Japanese version. Um, but then there is the distinctly different Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, which was the American, uh, they took the Japanese footage, re-edited it, shot some stuff with Raymond Burr. Uh, to put a, an American actor into the movie, cut that in there. So they're both different movies. I'm not sure which one you would be, uh, which one, I was undecided which one to actually give you to watch. So I don't know if you have a preference, if you want to watch the uh, the original, original Japanese version or the slightly altered American dubbed into English version. I don't know. I guess I'll make that decision. Yeah, I guess make that decision. Bonus points if you watch both. <laughs> okay okay because uh, they are different experiences but um uh yeah the original godzilla i think so okay so i mean obviously this is you know classic i know that there's a monster that comes on to land and you know i've seen cloverfield that's as close as i come so i imagine it's very similar to a cloverfield i imagine he comes out of the water um i don't know if it's like cloverfield in that way that it's hinted at even in just the viral marketing, that it's because of something environmental. I've also seen The Host, which I know is definitely mm -hmm. um, based on that sort of like, I think Americans actually in the movie do something crappy to the to like the environment. And that's where the monster is sort of born from. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it goes deep into that, like where it comes from, but I'm going to estimate that it has to do something with what human beings do, that mm -hmm. they unleash this monster who is pissed off to all fuck mm -hmm. and wreaks lots of just like wreaks havoc which i love mm -hmm. and um, madness ensues mm -hmm. and um i think they're gonna kill it in the end but at the same time i know there's numerous sequels so i don't know if just i don't can't remember if it's son of godzilla like i don't know if he has babies i think it's a he uh spanish it like the a at the end would mean like female maybe it's a they you know what they probably weren't thinking it back then but it you know maybe godzilla's a they i don't know <laughs> so i'm gonna be interested to find out but that's what i know of it and um, i'm excited to see to for it to fill in the blanks if if it does maybe it's very here are people here's a monster here's madness the end i uh, i do want to jump in there and say too uh it's disputed by Godzilla fans, which the Godzilla fandom is an entirely like hardcore, <laughs> like crazy uh, nerd fandom out there. Uh, I want to say somewhere I've heard that officially Toho, the production company that owns and created Godzilla, uh, I think they say Godzilla is gender neutral, like officially doesn't have a... Love uh, it. Yeah, but everyone just, because they use he so much, like generally everybody says he, he's king of the monsters is the you know title they threw on there but i think officially per the company ah, it's it's sense. gender neutral okay um, so but and I'm son of excited. godzilla is one of the movies actually one of the many many sequels okay. so but yeah so check it out uh definitely let me know uh which one you watch okay which, which version you're able to find i'm not sure what's 
easiest to come across out there. Um, All right, you got it. Yep, but this is the beginning of your voyage into weird Japanese uh, movies that I have lined up for you. So, well, I cannot wait. Mm -hmm. So, thanks, Jeremy. I guess till we come back. And I'm going to say it this week. Cue the music. Don't you blame the movies? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Hey guys, we're back. Hello, hello, hello. We've watched those movies. Just you know like what? We have. Every week. Every week we? we watch them. Maybe we haven't. Maybe we're lying to you guys. Maybe it's we all are. a big, <laughs> it's all a ruse. It is. It's a ruse. No, we. I, I watched them. I don't know if you have, but I did. I, I will say that I did not watch every last minute of Godzilla, but I've seen it a million times, so I'm, I'm good to go. Okay. Um, so we're going to start off with We Are Still Here. All right. So Jeremy, what? Give me your thoughts. Or you know what? Before you do, let me you read got, the You got to read that synopsis. Read that letterbox summary. Yeah. After the death of their college-age son, Anne and Paul Sacchetti, I think that's how it is. Sacchetti. Relocate. Thank you. Sacchetti. Relocate to the snow-swept New England hamlet of Aylesbury, a sleepy village where all is most certainly not as it seems. When strange sounds and eerie feelings convince Anne that her son's spirit is still with them, they invite an eccentric new age couple to help them get to the bottom of the mystery. Ooh, I love spookiness. (laughs) Sounds like a great movie. And I think it was. I really liked this. Um, Cool. It definitely took me by surprise. So the first, this is yet another one. You keep giving me these movies where they have twists and turns through like the tone and what's going on in the movie. Uh, This was another one. I thought you were going to give me this slow, character-driven piece. (laughs) I do love those. Uh, Which it is for a lot of it, but uh, uh, it's like at the halfway point, this movie totally twists. Uh, And it's almost like, so in because I keep comparing it to the other things you've given to me uh, or like each movie I watch, I compare to the series of things you've made me watch. Uh, so hereditary, yeah, it tracks hereditary, you know, again, is another one. It's this character driven piece. Then weird shit happens. Uh, and at the end of the movie, they at least explain to you that like, Oh, it's all because of uh Paymon uh, and this cult blah 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 you never actually get to see paymon you know and but there's like imagery related to him whatever then you get relic again a character driven piece that goes and then grandma turns out to be a monster uh but that movie does the opposite where like you get a monster but they don't explain shit about the monster you don't know what's going on why it is and what's happening the monster is dementia yeah the monster's dementia uh and then this movie is kind of a, like a marriage of the two where it's this character-driven thing for a while, and then the frickin' burned-up uh, monster zombie ghosts come and start killing everybody. Uh, and they tell you why, which I'm like, is satisfying. Like, I understand what's happening. Because uh, of the curse, they opened a gate to hell, and these people died there, and now they're stuck there just killing people forever. Uh, and, and it was awesome. <laughs> it gave me... I enjoyed the character stuff. 
But, you know, a movie like Hereditary, you know, when I think back to it, I'm left thinking, man, but it would have been really sweet. Paymon just showed up and started ripping heads off and shit. <laughs> uh, and this movie goes there. It gives me that where it's like, you know, it's a spooky haunted house character thing. And then at the end, like, here's some freaking killer monster ghosts that just start busting heads. And you're like, sweet. It just get this blood gasm at the end of the movie. Yes, the blood is everywhere. So cool. I listened to an interview with Ted Gagan, who's the director. I'm pretty sure that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce his name. And he talked sure. about they filmed like everything was in an actual house, and they filmed the end of the movie first. So they did all the blood stuff, and then they had to scrub mm-hmm. the walls, get all the blood off, and then they filmed everything else from before that. And I just love that idea that you've already just spilled all this blood all over the place, splattered everywhere. And you've had all these, you know, interns in there, like scrubbing the walls down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because it got real bloody. Yeah, it did. I I loved that. I love a good just, you know, uh, it's that New England kind of ghost story of just, well, the people that used to live here, you got ran out of town. We're not going to tell you they actually died, but like, it's, it's just that tall tale sort of thing that's built into it that, you know, you think every small town's got like, oh, they, these people here murdered somebody and they buried them. Like, <laughs> the town doesn't talk about it. I love that kind of conspiratorial ghost story. Uh, and the actor, everybody was great in this. This is another one where the ensemble was just fantastic. I mean, Barbara Crampton from- Oh, she's the best. From Beyond that we watched previously. Uh, she's great. The guy that played her husband, I'm not immediately familiar with him, but he was great. Um, so good. I do, I do love that his character too. I'm usually, I'm always irritated in movies like this when he's the skeptical husband, uh, but I'm glad that they gave him the character turn where he's like, oh shit, this is all real. I believe it. <laughs> it's like, because so totally. often movies stretch your suspension of disbelief where like, I'm seeing shit floating around in front of me and people getting possessed and, you know, heads exploding. And I'm still like, there's got to be a logical explanation for this, not ghosts. And I'm glad that they actually, you know, were realistic with it. We're like, yep, I see it with my own eyes. I believe it now. Um, and uh, Larry Fessenden. Oh my God. Me as He's he, so good. He is, I love him. He's just a great character actor. Of course, he's also an indie uh, horror movie director himself. Okay. Um, he did, um, trying to think of some of it. He just did that one that came out, Depraved, uh, which I've not yet seen. I know it's like a new take on just the Frankenstein story. Uh, he did a vampire flick called Habit. Oh, um, yeah. That's supposed to be, it's like, um, is it more like an, a- an allegory, but kind of like as if it's like a drug addiction? Yes. Am I yep. right in that? Yes. Yeah, in that one. He's the mentor of Ty West. Oh, yeah. I love Ty West. House of yep. the Devil. This movie yeah. has a House of the Devil sort of feel. It, yeah, And that, does. like, it's, like, tries to authentically capture the time in which it's set. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of is trying to... That's what it kind of feels like, at least. But, yeah, Larry Fessenden is just this great champion of the horror genre uh, that's out there that, uh, you know, he's, like, a cult figure, but not... If you know him, if you know, then you know. But uh, everybody else is like, that guy looks familiar. And he's got this really crazy energy in everything that he's in. 
He does. Uh, this is the main movie I know him from. And then I recently watched Your Next with Joe. He'd never seen it before. I've seen it numerous times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there he is in the beginning. Like now that I had seen this. He's yeah. like the guy that like he's like that and that couple that dies at the very beginning of your next. And mm-hmm. um, I love his like possession scene in this movie. Oh, that was I so love cool. that he just swallows that sock like that is amazing. Yes. I love that so yeah. much. Oh, man. It hurt watching that, too, yeah, where I was so like. Gross. Reminds me of when you're eating too fast and you didn't get that <laughs> you didn't get that beverage down fast enough to help, you know, lubricate the old throat. It's like <laughs> So this movie, as I've done my research on like I try to watch some interviews, read some reviews, like whenever you watch one of these movies that that I recommend. Mm-hmm. And it is heavily influenced by one particular director and one particular mm-hmm. movie. And I'm curious, did you look this up or do you just know? I, I looked it up. Oh, okay. At, well, okay. I, after I watched it, like once we got into all the ghost stuff, um, I was like, there's a certain vibe going on here with like the look and what, and I was actually incorrect about the movie. I started thinking like, this kind of reminds me of Lucio Fulci uh, and his flick, The Beyond is what I was thinking of. Uh, but then online, I saw they were saying it was House by the Cemetery was the inspiration which makes sense because Lucio Fulci did like three movies that are almost the same movie, uh, House by the Cemetery, The Beyond, and City of the Living Dead. Uh, People call them his Gates of Hell trilogy because all of them are about people opening a gate of hell and then monster zombies come and start killing people. Uh, And I was like, okay, yeah, this movie makes perfect sense as a uh, takeoff of uh, Fulci's movies. Yeah, I've tried to watch some of his films and I just, I don't know. I just can't quite get into them. I don't know that I've given them a full, any of them a full view. I've like, which is the movie where the woman has her eye pulled into, isn't that, that him? That Yeah, that's him. That's zombie. Okay, just playing up zombie because he also just, has zombie three, right? Yes. Is there like two? Okay. Okay, so zombie... Uh, it was released in Italy as Zombie 2. Uh, right. Because I feel like we've talked about this. It's an unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Because Dawn of the Dead was released in Italy under the title Zombie. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've seen like that scene. Um... Zombies, it's, it's, it's uh, good. I mean, outside okay. of Romero, I think it's a good zombie flick in the canon. Uh, the Italian, these Italian directors, for some reason there is this experimentalism they like to do like i could understand why you wouldn't be able to get into fulci um because uh I'm, I'm thinking of like the beyond for example which is a movie similar to this where this woman buys a house in new orleans and unbeknownst to her there's a gate to hell in the basement and ghosts okay. and zombies start coming I, that's the one i've definitely watched the most of i tried there's like a blind girl yes right yeah. And it is just so fucking weird. And I like yeah. weird, but I think there's something with like the dub. No, like all the, of them have bad dubs. <laughs> the plot doesn't make sense. Okay. Okay. It, like he has this habit of uh, it, it, Dario Argento does it a little bit too. And a lot of the Italian directors, they just didn't care as much about coherency of their plots. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff where you're like, what? It seems like they just jumped over. Like there should be some more scenes in there. And now we're here. Like, yeah, the, just uh, coherence. Uh, 
uh, a linear narrative wasn't utmost in their minds. And it's so weird because I really love Argento. Like I can pretty, I haven't watched every Argento, but I enjoy, I love Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I of course love Suspiria. I love mm -hmm. Creeper slash Phenomena. Like I can really, I get into his movies more than any, like Bava is the other one, right? Who does yeah. um, that Exorcist ripoff? I feel like we've talked about it before. Oh, we did, Beyond the Door. Yes, is um, that him? Is that Bava? Yeah. No, who is beyond the door? Maybe. Oh, it's a video, a son, a sonatus, and Robert Barrett. Yeah, I don't know those. I guys. thought it was one of those more popular. I think I'm thinking of Shock, which is like kind of a sequel to Beyond the Door, and I feel like that is someone. Yeah, because I know there's also you know there's Bruno Mattei, uh, and Claudio Fragasso. There, there's a, a you know there was a whole cadre of. Italian horror directors working at the same time that all kind of made, they all have cult followings. Sure. Uh, objectively, a lot of this is just not well-made movies, <laughs> like not good <laughs> movies, but you know, people love them. There's some charm to it. But I would um, like to, I feel like I've seen some scenes of House by the Cemetery. That's, called, that's, right? that's one, yeah, House by the Cemetery. Uh, I've actually never seen the whole thing either. It's one I've tried to watch, but it's just such a wonky, <laughs> like uneven movie to me that uh i just you know i remember falling asleep to it a couple of times because i'm like it's not action-packed i don't know what's happening and out <laughs> but this movie's really cool because it has i find a lot of heart to it as well like the couple you really care for them you know you know that they're going through it with like the mm -hmm. loss of their son and you want you know they believe that it's their son for a while or at least she does and you kind of know it's not like you just get that feeling you know there's something evil something going on. evil but then there's also like these layers to it like you think it's just these ghosts in the house but then you kind of find out by like even it was as it was going on i'm writing down like so what the fuck is going on even though i've seen this numerous times i'm like trying to write out i'm like so every 30 years the house needs to kill a family like and it sort of reveals itself Mm -hmm. ultimately but it doesn't all lay it out at once it kind of like gives you these little hints and then you kind of have to put it all together by the end like that it's that the family that is there and killing people isn't like the ultimate evil it really is that the house is built over this thing mm -hmm. that they open like you said sort of this portal to like hell or whatever yeah absolutely so i think that's cool it's funny enough, too, that uh, we can't seem to get away from Mr. H.P. Lovecraft. Because uh, <laughs> this is another one that uh, there were some nods in there. They said to the Dunwich Horror, I think, was the short story, where they used some names mm -hmm. uh, from it in this. And again, if they were inspired by Fulci, uh, specifically House by the Cemetery and The Beyond, Fulci said were inspired by the work of H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, when you watch those movies, though, you feel more like Fulci had somebody like explain to him, like over coffee, like what H.P. Lovecraft's work was like, than actually <laughs> reading them himself. Uh, he just kind of <laughs> seems more like uh, I like his ideas. I actually have no idea what the stories were about, um, and that's what this movie feels like when you hear that at the end. Like, okay, this is kind of like Lovecraft light, <laughs> where like we touch on some similar themes, but like we're off doing our own thing here. I also like that it's so cold, like, and they did film it in like February, like it was cold. Oh, it looks um, like it. 
but then there's that contrast with like the burnt people and when they like especially at the end when they're grabbing onto people and stuff and there's just these sparks like flying i love all those Mm -hmm. little sparks whenever they're grabbing onto something the dagmars were so cool so cool that design i was like this is fucking sweet like i want to see more uh like ghosts, I feel like can be just very boring in movies uh, when, you know, the character designer, whoever's doing the designing is just not being creative because usually it's just like, here's a person, but they're translucent. Right. Sometimes maybe they're a little sticky, you know, slimy. Uh, but that was awesome to do like the, okay, they embody like their death. They were burned alive. Uh, and now they, they're these charred up like fire demon ghosts. And that's cool as hell. It has a similar vibe sometimes to Housebound, just in regards mm. to like the creepy basement and like, you know, you see these like shadows in the background. It's just Housebound is ultimately not supernatural, whereas this is like you. It's like what you think Housebound is for a while. It's funny you say that, too, because in my random scrolling uh, through Letterboxd, like looking up stuff about this movie. I saw somebody, a user had written a review where they said, this movie felt like a New Zealand movie to me uh, in that like it had humor in it. It's more subtle than, you know, a New Zealand, these New Zealand horror comedies are. But I'm like, yeah, there was like a very pervasive uh, undercurrent of humor, like black humor to this movie. For sure. Uh, which I really like as it went on, it picked up and I'm like, Oh, this is supposed to be funny. Like I'm supposed to be amused by this. Like this isn't a dead serious like thing. This is supposed to be fun uh, is what they're going for. And it like, I feel like the movie again, really reveals itself as it goes along where you're like, Oh, okay. Like ghost stories, creepy town elders. It's, it's got all (laughs) the classics of a campfire story in there. It really does. A Rolling Stone named it one of its 10 best horror films of 2015. And that was a good year. That was the year mm. with It Follows, Good Night Mommy, What We Do in the Shadows, The Final Girls, which is my all-time maybe favorite movie, period, but definitely my favorite horror film. Mm. Um, and then there's some other ones in there that I've not seen. When Animals Dream, The Falling, Crimson Peak. I haven't seen any of the three of those. Ooh, I, I liked Crimson Peak. Spring. I haven't seen Spring either. I heard spring was crazy. But yeah, Crimson Peak, I hear, is much more atmospheric, less horror and more. Very much so. It's definitely a, uh, it's more about the the gothic uh, setting of it, the the atmosphere Mm -hmm. uh, and the mystery. The mystery. The mystery. This came came in number seven, so I think that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And I think it um, deserves a place in that top ten. I do too. This was definitely, this was a movie while I was watching it. It was another one uh, that made me think that, man, if I had discovered this at like a midnight showing or like a film festival type setting, like uh, I would have been, the atmosphere would have been just right to be exposed to this and that, that way. Uh, And it's just making me miss, you know, going to the theater (laughs) that much more to see something cool. Yeah. For it to be, like sort of have its big premiere at South by Southwest seems so appropriate. Like it would have been such a fun movie to see there. Yeah. No one else had seen it yet. With like a bunch of rowdy people and yeah, that are there to see some scary movies. That would be awesome. (laughs) 
My favorite review was from Heather Wixom from The Daily Dead. She said, a wonderfully weird, gory, and full of heart and poignancy. We Are Still Here is an assured and well-crafted debut from Gagan that's clearly a heartfelt love letter embracing what genre fans enjoy most about horror movies. Mm. Horror movies. Horror movies. (laughs) But I agree. It is definitely like a love letter. There's like tons of... Like it feels like things that have been done already, but it also has a vibe of like a freshness to it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel tired, uh, which is like, okay, they're doing it right. Yeah. And I read this director has had another movie, Mohawk. Yeah, I've not watched a couple it, years but ago. I would like to. Yeah, it sounded interesting from what quickly uh, perusing online. So I was like, okay, so it's a historical uh, you know, set during the War of eighteen twelve, I guess, and it's about the Mohawk tribe. Uh, but it's still horror, and uh, that's hitting so many boxes for me, being a horror nerd and a history nerd. Uh, <laughs> I, I should, I'm gonna have to check that out at some point. All right. Well, out of five swallowed socks, <laughs> I came up with up with that on the fly. I didn't think of this in advance. What would you give this film? I give it a four. All right. Just flat out four. It's good, people. Watch it. <laughs> I give it a three and a half. I really, I really do like it. It felt, I don't know why this time felt a little slow, but then again, I've seen it probably, you know, seven or eight times. So it's Mm -hmm. weird though. Some movies like, like housebound, the more I watch it, I don't ever feel that way. This one, I just felt like, like, I was like, okay, okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I really do love it. And it's, it's, this is my introduction to Barbara Crampton. This was the first time I ever saw her. So it's kind of fun going back um, when we watched from beyond to see her back in her heyday. I mean, you know, I guess I'd seen reanimator, but I think I'd seen this first. So it still is like my, I didn't know when I watched reanimator that she was one and the same. You're like, she's got a whole legacy that I'm not (laughs) even realizing. It's true. And he wrote the role for her. Yeah. I, she was perfect. She was perfect. Well, very cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I just think it's such a cool little movie. And yes, you def, I definitely have an aesthetic. I mean, we both do, but you, mm-hmm. I like to have some some character driven horror. Is like my friend. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. my best friend. <laughs> I I can dig it. All right. Well, let's talk about your film now. So we're moving on to Godzilla. Up yes. from the depths, 30 stories high, breathing <laughs> fire, his head in the sky, Godzilla. What, what is that? That is the Hanna-Barbera cartoon theme song. Is there a whole Godzilla cartoon? There was a whole Godzilla cartoon. Did Godzilla sing? He didn't sing, oh. but he, ha- he had like a little baby named Godzuki. <laughs> and he was friends with this family of like explorers that could summon him by like hitting this button and he'd come help him fight monsters okay hold on before we go on <laughs> and i didn't go back and listen but i feel like you had a fairly good vibe of what um we are still here is about oh yeah yeah yeah. that was like a haunted house movie you know what? I can't remember what else. <laughs> yeah, I just said there's going to be some ghosts and some family drama. Uh, so I think I got it. You pretty much called it as it was, but I just yeah. wanted to harken back to that. All right. So Godzilla. Godzilla. And you gave me the choice of which to watch. So 
and what was available to me when I looked it up, the one that was available was Godzilla King of the Monsters. So the letterbox mm-hmm. summary, in case you are curious, because most people probably know what this is, but it says- yeah, In case you've never heard of Godzilla somehow. Right, it says a 400 foot, in parentheses, 122 meter, fire breathing <laughs> dinosaur awakened from undersea hibernation off the Japanese coast by hydrogen bomb testing attacks Tokyo. That's it. That, that that that's what it is it's a very good summation so godzilla <laughs> godzilla ah uh, this is a daunting it was subject. a rough one it was a rough one for me jeremy i gotta it say was it mm-hmm. most and i you know what i wish i would have watched straight up godzilla the original yeah this was very difficult because i could just feel that it was a cut and paste job mm-hmm like all of those scenes with Steve, I wish it really was Steve Martin. That would have been a much more exciting movie. <laughs> yeah, how how funny is that? That the guy's the character's name is Steve Martin. And what's the actor's name? Uh, Raymond Burr. Right. Joe knew who he was right away because Joe was like, "Oh, I'll watch that with you. I always wanted to see it." And I mean, we both were just in agony. Like I just, it was not great. But I feel more than anything, it just felt like. Like, shame on you, America. <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. could just release. I know it was a different time. I know foreign films are the thing now and have been for a couple of uh, two or three decades now. But, like, you really couldn't just trust your American audiences to put the original out with some subtitles or dubbing it. Like, it just was, it felt embarrassing to me. Mm hmm. Like that they just obviously put these scenes in and just when he kept saying, oh, I'm afraid my Japanese is a little rusty. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, just shameful, I felt. And I, it just felt like they didn't, like he kept sort of narrating what I think the story would have been in the original. Like when he's talking about the lead gal and like there's like sort of a kind of a love triangle. Like I couldn't tell if it ever went into that territory or if the female lead was just sort of friends with like she had like her boyfriend her husband and then there was like the doctor and like you just narrated what their relationship was instead of like letting it show us and it just was so annoying that so i was just like annoyed and then by the time the monster actually comes up on land and is wreaking havoc i was just like okay I'm tired. <laughs> You're like, just end it, Godzilla. Kill them please, all, please. Kill them all. <laughs> Someone was telling me there's really interesting pictures of who the guy or the person, whomever it was, who played Godzilla, like sitting around, like drinking a coffee or smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And I want to yeah, find there's, those pictures. There's but... a bunch of that on the uh, on the internet. <laughs> but it's, it's funny you say that too, because uh, in the original uh, movie. Uh, that's exactly it is the doctor with the eye patch uh what is it shirazawa um that's like the main plot is this love triangle that you know raymond burt kind of well she's in an arranged marriage with this like that he really quickly like yeah summarizes for you uh but that's like the main plot of the original movie um and there's like a bunch of scenes that are in a different order uh like they definitely check the funny thing is too though that this version was made with the total cooperation of Toho, uh, the Japanese studio. Um, Probably because they got a lot of money. They did. Because uh, when the original Godzilla, I was just reading this too before we started recording. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. 
when Godzilla came out in Japan, uh, it wasn't initially a hit. Uh, it, uh, it, it, critics didn't really like it. Uh, it was kind of Japan's first, I think, uh, their the first major giant monster movie. I know it would. That's a genre that's been dominated by the Japanese ever since. But um, there wasn't really a taste for it. And then uh, there's. I don't think I've ever found anything concrete. But there was. There's rumors you can find online that say that the original, in its uncut Japanese form, was released briefly in America in like certain markets here or there. Uh, and people were interested, but they didn't think a Japanese movie subtitled was going to get a lot of play. So some producers like, well, let's throw in Raymond Burr and make this this version. And then that came out, was a decent hit. Uh, but weirdly, it made the movie popular in Japan. Weird. Like retro, it retroactively, yeah, when they, they then brought back the Americanized version to Japan... Uh, and then people loved it, and it made Godzilla, he started to become popular. Took a few movies, but all of a sudden he became an icon that, uh, it's weird. This movie comes with so much baggage, because Godzilla is a topic that's just so, no pun intended, big <laughs> to try and tackle. Because, you know, he's a, it's an it's a icon unto itself at this point. Um, is this, was... Godzilla created in response to King Kong? Yes, sort of. Um, apparently, the original King Kong was a big hit in Japan as well. Uh, when it was originally released, it got over there in the 30s uh, and was a huge hit. Uh, and then in the post-war period, it got released again in Japan and made a ton of money. Uh, and Toho was like, hey, we got to make a giant monster movie. Uh, and they were inspired by the original King Kong and it, there's a Ray Harryhausen flick, uh, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which was an American movie that, again, played really well in Japan. That's about a giant dinosaur destroying, like, New York or something like that. Uh, so they kind of like, oh, let's make our own. And that's essentially where Godzilla was born from, uh, was a screenwriter. Um, apparently the name... Uh, Go Gojira in the uh, Japanese uh, is it's a combination of the Japanese words for gorilla and whale. Oh, because uh, they just wanted a name that evoked immense size and power uh, before they even realized what he was going to look like. Or <laughs> so he, wow. he he doesn't look like a whale or a gorilla. You know, it's just a big <laughs> dinosaur. But. <laughs> And it's so odd that this version is like 15 minutes shorter than the original. I would think mm -hmm. adding in scenes would make it longer, but instead it's trimmed. But instead they cut tons of like the human <laughs> drama. It's gone. Your favorite human drama, gone. Out the window. Out the window. And this really is a movie while I was rewatching it. Like for me, it's hard to look at it objectively because I grew up with this. I've been watching this one on tape since I was a child. So there's so much nostalgia and good memories tied into it, even though I know it's like, this is hokey. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, they're really the only reason to watch it is for the monster uh, and the destruction. Um, I know, like, I think it's such a revered movie nowadays because critics have come back and looked at this uh, as uh, emblematic for the trauma uh, that Japan 
suffered uh, because of the atom bombs being dropped on them during World War II. Because there is, you, you watch the scenes of destruction, the carnage after Godzilla goes through and you're like, oh yeah, I can see this playing as very heavy, uh, especially in Japan, having witnessed firsthand, not only the atomic bombings, but you know, just the fire bombings uh, that happened across the country during World War II. Sure. Uh, and that, that was only, you know, not even like 10 years before this movie came out. So uh, very, in fact, I, I read a little blurb that said a lot of critics initially uh, thought this movie was trashy in Japan because they're like, it, it's very cheaply evoking like our trauma from the war. Like, we don't want to see this. We just lived through it. So interesting. Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot of weight put behind that as this is like an anti-war film. Uh, or an anti-atomic uh, proliferation movie because, you know, Godzilla is uh, either seen as a metaphor for atomic weapons or, you know, quite literally in the movie, he was, crea- he was awakened, maybe created. I don't know. They're very vague about it, but like hydrogen yeah. bombs got him going. Yeah. And he's supposed to breathe fire, but it, I always, it looks like fog and I thought he was freezing things. <laughs> and then things would be on fire. I've always understood it. It's supposed to be, a, I've heard it called atomic breath. So I think it's supposed to be like radiation. Again, tying okay. to the, the, uh, the oh, atomic okay. energy idea. It's supposed to be like a nuclear blast coming out of his mouth. I've heard how bad the Matthew Broderick one is, but I think I would have rather watched that than this. You'd, uh, you'd probably enjoy it. It was fun. I definitely want to watch the Brian Cranston one. That was that that's that's good. That one's good. And how is the contemporary King of the Monsters or King of Monsters whatever it's called, the one with that, Millie Brown? That one uh is the the uh one with Brian Cranston and uh whoever else was in it. I'm blanking right now, but that was a lot more dead serious. They're trying to do a serious take. Uh, on Godzilla again uh, for American audiences. Uh, and then the sequel, King of the Monsters, that they did was a throwback to like the 70s monster mash Godzillas. Because after this movie, you had a sequel where he fights another monster. Mothra? Not yet. Uh, it was Anguirus, who's a giant uh, ankylosaurus. Um, they fought and people are like, oh, here's an idea. Let's keep pitting him against other monsters. And then they made in the early 70s, it was King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh. Uh, which is a ridiculous movie, but that's the moment where the Godzilla movies become superhero comic book stuff from then on. They lose any of the, you know, heaviness and the serious, seriousness and it becomes, how many crazy monsters can we make up? Put them all in one movie. They're going to fight at some point. You know, Mothra gets in the mix. Uh, King Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Uh, there's Gigan. He's got hooks for hands. You know, it gets crazy. <laughs> it's it, those those some of those you might actually have more fun with because the camp becomes intentional uh, and dialed up to like eleven in a lot of these movies. So, yeah, I think I could get into that a little bit more. Yeah. And I feel like if I feel like the original would have been better because I could have somewhat invested in the characters and here, like I said, I was just annoyed at what was happening with the mm-hmm. Americanization of it. But I, I do forever think about uh uh 
just Raymond Burr and his sober delivery of like the monsters coming out of the bay and destroying everything in its sight. And he's just like so dead serious that like, uh, I don't know. I always laugh every time I watch it. And then I'm like, I, I love that. I love that cliche. I want that in more movies of just like, Oh my God. You know, it's like Orson Welles and his war of the world's radio broadcast. Uh, and I think my, you know, it's Godzilla. I knew what it was going to be about. So. You knew what it was. <laughs> now you've seen it. Now I have. I wasn't always going to give you easy, fun movies to watch. <laughs> it was going to change at some point. But now you've seen it. I feel like I this, have. Is, this I have. one is a, uh, it, it's just, it should be on the list. You should check it off. So now you understand like, okay, seen Godzilla. You know, this created a whole genre, kaiju movies in Japan. So what does that mean? And kaiju is, um, believe it means beast okay in japanese that loosely uh daikaiju means giant beast oh so that's like uh i'm a little bit of a japanophile uh so like we could do a whole between godzilla movies uh and anime and akira kurosawa i could probably do like a japanese cinema podcast all by <laughs> myself but um have fun. Yeah. Yep. You can be a listener to that one. Maybe oh, that would be like, oh, can one. I? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll let you. <laughs> well, I am excited to explore some other Japanese cinema in the weeks mm -hmm. to come. I don't want you to think I'm not looking forward to it. Oh I no. I, I've got a couple other weird ones to test your, <laughs> your sanity and your endurance. So it's going to get weird, but this was, this was like your most mainstream All right. out of the ones I've picked for you, I think. So from here, it just gets weirder. Okay. Um, now you were pretty much right. I mean, you know what Godzilla was. I'm trying to think of what you thought was going to happen. And uh, I think you nailed it. You knew they kill him in the I end. I think I said something, you know, with some human, made thing created the monster awoke the monster you know i was just sort of thinking of the host it's just very similar in that regard oh yeah the host um, is totally just a send-up of these kind of movies 100 percent, yeah in a, uh, just fantastically done it just has so much heart and so much humor i love the host so much and i need to rewatch it i love that uh director his name's yes. escaping me who uh, did parasite He's parasite so which was also yeah. phenomenal and uh snowpiercer i've not seen that which is also a very good movie. I hear it is. Have you seen this TV series? No, um, never got around to it. I was a little like afraid because I, I understood it's like a remake of the okay. movie. It's just taking the premise of the movie, which I guess the movie was based on a comic book. Hmm. Uh, but the, yeah, it's just doing it again, but now stretched out for a TV show. I love Jennifer Conley, so I'm intrigued anything mm -hmm. with her. But Tilda Swinton, I don't know if they play the same role. If she's the Tilda Swinton of the TV series, yeah, I think she I think might. So, I think she might be Tilda Swinton in the movie is just you know she's always a force of nature in every uh, movie she's in. But she's so good. She's, I mean, she's I'll take one her of my, Jennifer Connelly any day. Yeah, she's one of my favorites. Yeah, talk about like amazing, especially in Suspiria. You saw the remake? I haven't. Oh, all right. Well, mm. I'm keeping track of that. Throw that on the list. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, you I, you pretty much got it with. Uh, what Godzilla's about. They blow him up at the end. Um, he does, I do like to point out in the next Japanese Godzilla movie, Godzilla Raids Again is the direct sequel. Oh. Uh, 
they pretty much just, there's another Godzilla. And they're like, we thought we killed him. I guess there's another one. And that's all they say about it. And he's back. <laughs> so they I'm didn't care back. too much about people being like, I thought you killed him at the end. So he comes back again. Sometimes they come back. And again. <laughs> and again. Uh, but yeah, so how many uh, edited in Raymond Burrs out of five? I would give this two. Mm-hmm. I, Joe gave it a one because I mm-hmm. asked him. Um, he's like, I give it a one. <laughs> <laughs> I give it two because like, I know that there's something there. I know that it is, you know, we wouldn't probably have a lot of what we have without it. I know it's very, I'm not going to say inspirational. That's not the right word, but. It's, uh, it's just an idea. Godzilla is a thing that's just lives beyond this movie. Somehow they tapped into a, a character so iconic. <laughs> it just doesn't matter how many crappy movies you make. He lives on. It just was, yeah, it was a lot to get through for me. For, especially like we've talked about like some of these older movies that are short, but they mm-hmm. feel so long because of the pacing and stuff. That was this one for sure yep. to me. It's like, please let it be over. But I'm glad I watched it. What do you give it? Uh, oh, it's rough. I mean, really, this is probably like three. I would give this one. Um, I'm surprised not more. You know, like I would want to, but it's really like not that good a movie. Like this is not one. There's other Godzilla movies that I rewatch way more because they're more fun and more ridiculous. This is just kind of a, this movie sticks out the first one because it's so weirdly like sober and like serious. And then every Godzilla movie after this is about, we want to see monster mayhem. Yeah. Uh, the humans are just there to get fucking stepped on and they're all like ridiculous characters anyway. So uh, th- they learned from this one. I also, if we were talking about the original one, I'd probably give it more stars. Cause that's, just I was a, curious. It's a better movie than this is. Cause again, rewatching this, I'm like, yeah, this is real choppy. Like every time they cut to like, uh, Raymond Burr just like well what he meant to say was explaining like what the guy is doing or I'm afraid my Japanese is a little rusty <laughs> yeah, I love all the weird like where he's like sayonara <laughs> like just throws those in randomly but yeah I'm gonna give it a three okay okay well I don't feel as bad then nah I was worried I was gonna like break your heart with two two no I mean I love Godzilla he's like <laughs> part of my world but you know I know it's not for everybody this is like a it's like a nerddom within a nerddom that, you know, you've got to pass certain litmus tests to get in here. So. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing it with me regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing your movie with me. Now I was racking my brain for connections. Oh my God. Well, I'm glad you did. Cause I didn't even think of any. And I've got a two. I got two. Okay. Uh, possible connections. The first one, um, there's something in there about human sacrifice in both of them. Yes. Uh, which is in, you know, we are still here. Of course, they have to sacrifice people to the house to keep the evil contained in the house. And in Godzilla, when they go to that island, the uh, inhabitants of the island talk about their god, Godzilla, mm. the sea god. And they say like, oh, they used to make human sacrifices to it to, you know, keep it appeased so it wouldn't destroy them. And then that's yeah. what they think the monster is when Godzilla shows up. They think it's their angry god coming to destroy them. Uh, so that's that, good. That's good. There's that. And the other connection I made, a little bit of a stretch here, uh, <laughs> was their 
movies made by one culture trying to imitate another one mm. in that uh, We Are Still Here is an American film trying to ape uh, Italian movies uh, from like the 70s, early 80s. Uh, and then Godzilla was made, it's a Japanese movie that was made trying to mimic American giant monster movies that came before it. So. You did good. I thought you I go. like both of those. That's pretty yeah. savvy. Yeah, I was trying. Savvy. <laughs> savvy, brah. Yeah, brah. So that's it. That's what I got. Well, good. Well, I love it. Um, tell us what you think. Do dislike Godzilla as much as I did? <laughs> are you a fan of We Are Still Here? Tell us. Or did you hate both of them? Or yeah. love both of them? Do you yeah. hate us? Yeah, do you hate us? Did you make it all the way to the end and you hate us? <laughs> do you love us? <laughs> Let us know. That's right. Scaring is sharing at gmail.com or just, you know, scaring is sharing on Insta. Find us. Hit us up. We love to talk. Slide in those DMs. <laughs> yep. Get all up in there. Get as nasty. The, as the kids are saying. That's right. Well, Jeremy, as always, a, a real pleasure. It is. It's just fun. Our weekly horror therapy sessions. That's right. Our uh, horse therapy sessions. Horse therapy sessions. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's just fun to look forward to this uh, each week and uh, watch some movies and talk about them. It's a dialogue. I'd it like to really think we're is. learning. Indeed. We're our, laughing. We're expanding our universes. We're learning and laughing <laughs> and having a grand old time. Yep, and I can't wait till next time. And it only gets weirder. That's right. So keep coming back. Keep sharing your scares. Keep watching horror movies. Yep, watch more. Watch all the monster movies. All of them. Every last one. Don't come back until you've done it. <laughs> That's right. You're going to get spanked. <laughs> all right, let's quit before this gets more weird. <laughs> all right. Bye, little maniacs. Bye. Bye.